Hello, everyone, and welcome to MedHeadlesNet Podcast Season 4, Episode 5. Thank you for joining us on YouTube and to all of you who are listening to us on your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you tuning in. It is Thursday, November 16th, 2023. I'm your host, Vic Aslanian, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Mike Valian, where we talk about our great Armenian history covering different eras, topics, and people. Please hit that like button. Make sure you're subscribed. And if you're listening to us, uh, give us a five-star review on the platform that you listen to our voices on your drive. <laughs> or whatever you're doing, running, exercising. Either way. Yeah. Um, today's episode, we'll be talking about the strife between two brothers, Dumbat the third and Ashot the fourth their internal battle to basically rule the Baghdatuni kingdom of Armenia after the death of their father, Gagik I. And we talked about Gagik previous episode. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I'm sure, yeah. many, I'm sure many people can relate to the conflict between two brothers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we've, we've seen this before. Yeah, of course. Past, of course we have. In all the episodes we've done when but it I comes mean, to... But I mean, there's a lot more at stake. Yeah, yeah. A yeah, lot more yeah. at stake. This this is the information we're going to talk about today is pretty much going to paint a picture of pretty much how we are going or heading, I should say, towards the downfall of mm. the Bagratuni kingdom. Mm -hmm. And then from there on, we'll get into the, the Byzantine rule until the Cilician, yeah, Cilician kingdom was formed. So forth. So we have a lot of uh, uh, great information and episodes coming up. But before we start talking about these two brothers, uh, as we mentioned in the last episode, we will be unveiling our new sculpture of Haik Nahapet, uh, and um, which is a special piece that um, Mike designed for the organization Haik for Our Heroes. We've mentioned them many times before. We had David, who is the uh, one of the main founders of the organization, on the show. Yeah. Uh, if you guys haven't watched that episode, go back and watch it. Uh, they're doing some amazing work in Armenia, uh, along with veterans of Armenia helping the displaced families from Artsakh. Um, now, um, as you guys can see on the screen, this is the actual sculpture. So hopefully you're enjoying <laughs> what you're seeing. Um, I gotta say, Mike, you you knocked it out of the park. You know, we we wanted to keep this as close as possible pay, to the original. Pay pay homage to uh, Garlen Nurijanyan, yes, who was the original designer of, and sculptor of the piece uh, that was, I think, erected in the 1970s. I forget exactly the date, but um, we didn't want to deviate from that. Yeah, um, wanted to keep it original. Yeah, um, and maybe add a little bit of spice to it yeah you yeah, know what i mean yeah. We'd, so you know we went back and forth with a few different designs yeah the original sculpture was a little bit more stylized i guess you well, could say right i a little bit but i mean when you look at if if you look at the silhouette of the piece the silhouette of the piece is fantastic yeah you know him in that pose yeah just released an arrow yeah his legs yeah kind of yeah you know, and i'm getting a phone call while we are doing this <laughs> 
<laughs> Should I take it? I don't know, man. Depends <laughs> no, on who it is. <laughs> oh, Dad, Dad, are you live on air? Continue while I type a message. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we wanted to keep it pretty. Uh, we wanted to pay homage to it instead of trying to do something different. Um, but I guess we can give a little bit of spoiler. But me and Vic have talked about possibly doing a little bit more of a grandiose piece that we want to do. Um, and it's something yeah. that I, I'm kind of excited to embark on. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Uh, probably be a bigger piece. Multi-character. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I mean, we can give some information away about yeah. the ideas we have, but yeah. what we're thinking about is we found the way how to do these sculptures of these great characters and heroes to be more of the... Uh, kind of like in an action post storytelling you know, storytelling yeah. so when you're looking at that's it key. Uh, i think it's great to have a bust you know and, and it represents the hero but we we want to take him to a different level where you yeah. have that piece you see what they were kind of going through at that moment and telling the story of that yeah. of that character so but um so as you guys saw on the screen or continue seeing this is we have two versions we have the white uh marble and the bronze uh, what we're going to do is, as of right now, you can actually go on our Instagram page uh, or go on Hike for Our Heroes Instagram page and you will see a story where we want to take your opinion. Which one yeah. do you guys prefer? The white marble or the or bronze bronzed. or even both? But here's the part to this. this. This is We're making this only for this occasion because we're going to sell these in batches. It's going to be a batch of 20. And all the proceeds is going to go to Hike for Our Heroes. So uh, we, we, the, the deal we made with the manufacturer in order to bring down the cost as much as possible, because this is a bigger piece, it does take a lot more material. These are expensive and they take quite some time yeah, to make. So um, if you, if you pre-order, those 20 half, that 20 batch has to be pre-ordered we will close that batch and it will go into production and everybody will receive it at the same time. Yeah. Um, while that's happening, we'll open up another 20 batch. So we're going to do these in batches. We are not going to carry stock. So you can't just order it and expect it to show up. Uh, again, this is, this piece is a special edition for hike for our heroes. Um, so go on the Instagram page, vote and see which one you like, or if you want both for us to do. But again, if you order, Unless that 20 batch is sold, we will not go to production. That yeah. is the deal that we've made. Yeah. So, and again, the beauty about this is you get to have this beautiful art piece. Uh, it's a, it's a, call it a collectible, a collectible item, right? Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a beautiful piece to we're have. Not, we're not going to, you know, make yeah. tons of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's, a, it's, these are, these are pretty difficult pieces to make. We're not, and, and oh, look, I could give away a little bit of information. We're not just 3D printing them by ourselves they're yeah. they're being sent off to a manufacturer and being created in marble yeah so they're in the united states yeah in the u.s by the way yeah we're not sending it to china or anywhere else um and it is out of state um and so they're a little difficult to you know process each piece and they take time they really yeah. do take time i understand the entire process it's what i do it's my career so it's not um it's not like we could just press print once the piece is done especially with 3d printing technology these days and then just kind of keep running it this way yeah. keep running it yeah. this way keep running it this way yeah no 
So the other side is, um, like I said, besides, uh, you know, you get to have this beautiful piece, um, the proceeds will be going to Hike for Our Heroes. So you're supporting a great organization and you get to have something beautiful to show off in your office, library, uh, somewhere around the house and take pride by, you know, our father of Armenia, you can call him, you know, Hike Nahapet. So, um, but yeah, we can't wait to see your votes. And then as soon as uh, pre-orders are ready, we will go ahead and announce it, and you guys can go on our website, medheadosnet.com, and place your pre-order, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So, um, besides that, I wanted to mention that, um, you know, since we've been back with, uh, you know, season four, I should say, I wanted to kind of show we've we've gotten, you know, we've we've past i think twelve thousand subscribers on on youtube and our listeners on the podcast system is growing and i just wanted to mention since being back the top um somewhere around the 50 countries that we're listened to which is very very exciting so i just wanted to list them sure <laughs> it's quite a few I'll so s- i'll sit back and yeah, listen. so the top countries that we are listened to is united states obviously mm-hmm. canada united kingdom Australia, Germany, mm-hmm. Armenia, Spain, Netherlands, France, mm-hmm. Nigeria, wow, India, mm-hmm. Poland, Sweden, Japan, Turkey, Argentina, uh, Syria, Bulgaria, mm-hmm. Finland, Philippines. Right. Keep going. I'll make. Aust- I'll save my comment for after. <laughs> Austria, Ireland, uh-huh. Norway, uh-huh. Belgium, Italy, okay. Serbia, Portugal, Singapore, Brazil, Mexico, Switzerland, Greece, Pakistan, Romania, Senegal, Kenya, right, <laughs> um, South Korea. Georgia, Russia, Czech Republic, Lebanon, United Arab Emirates, and Indonesia. Okay, so that's awesome. I know this is in the top fifty. I know we've talked about this long time ago. I think we like when we first started, like first ten or fifteen episodes, we might have talked about this. But a lot of those make sense. Right, just from understanding where like our diaspora is and what, and we don't know who exactly is listening to this. Yeah, like we don't. But yeah. I mean, I do know that in our chats, sometimes we do get certain individuals from certain different countries. Yeah, last um, week India. Yeah, India. Um, one of them, um, and some of them make sense. Mm-hmm. Not some, a lot of them make sense, but a few of them, it's like what. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Like, if, that's great. If you're, that's why I say, I always say, like, I, I think from when you look at the demographics, um, I think 30 to 35% or maybe even more of our listeners are non-Armenians. Well, and that, that, just that I know for a fact. There's people out there who yeah. are interested yeah. in our history and uh, they enjoy, hopefully, our voices and yeah, they are that, listening to us or watching this fact. on YouTube. Um and uh, I just wanted to thank everybody from yeah. around the world and these countries who take the time to listen to us uh, and enjoy what we present to you guys uh, and uh, learn a bit about our culture, our history, and all the struggles 
the Armenian people have gone through from from the recorded time of the beginning of yeah. our history to to now. Well, I mean, I've I may have I don't know if I've mentioned it on show, but I know I've talked about it with you. I have friends in Australia. Um, yep. one good friend in Australia, Kurt. If you're watching or listening, how are you, buddy? <laughs> you gotta uh, say it with an Australian accent. <laughs> ah, man, come on, don't make don't don't try and embarrass me right now. But anyway, he lives in Melbourne and he's Greek. He's of Greek descent. Okay, he lives in Melbourne and he he started listening to us and he told me, you know, he's got a bunch of friends who uh, are history buffs yeah. and whatnot. He introduced the podcast to them. And well, thank you to all the Aussies yeah. who are listening. Thank you to, to us. the Aussies. Yeah. Uh, besides our armenian brothers and sisters down yeah, there yeah um another thing i wanted to mention is our patreon supporters um we have quite a few uh some of them um my they're you know they need to follow up on their profile <laughs> their payments have declined but <laughs> you might want to go and check your emails but uh oh, to the people who are constantly supporting us they're not much but i just wanted to say a special thank you to uh Aram Balian, uh nancy who didn't put her last name uh mike hakopian robert uh kachatrian or kachatrian i should say argishti uh, uh i don't know if it's karen or Godin. um i apologize i don't know uh harrison valencia seda filenko emily wilson uh Asvatur, uh, Alexia Kevonian, Alexia, mm-hmm. who's been supporting us from day one. Yeah. Madeline Avetian, she is you, uh, Madeline. someone Madeline. She was on our show. She's going to be on our show again. Mm-hmm. Um, Odette uh, Zainelian, um, our great friend Roger Kupelian, and Ellen Mugar. Uh, these are the people who have been supporting us from day one yeah. uh, in Patreon, uh, and we are thankful to them. And to the, those of you who want to support the show and continue helping us to bring more content and great episodes and a lot more that we're doing, a lot of projects, uh, please uh, go to patreon.com uh, forward slash medhedosnet and support us. It starts at $5. Uh, as we always joke about it, think of it buying us a cup of coffee cup, once cup, a month. Yeah, once you know? a month. Cup of coffee. So... Yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. So again, thank you to everybody. Thank you to our listeners. We we truly, truly, truly appreciate it. And uh, we are humbled. And also, it, it motivates us to continue doing this. Because sometimes it's it's hard to motivate yourself to do Life this. grind. The research, the, the, you know, figuring out what we're going to be talking about, the back and forth between you and I, you yeah. know. Um, so, but, yep, we're going to keep on moving on course all right so show must go on man as yeah the saying goes um we're the title of this episode is brothers in conflict sambat the third asho the fourth and the sunset of the bagratuni rule mm-hmm. um so today we're diving into the interesting historical period basically the beginning and the end of the bagratuni dynasty uh of the kingdom of armenia uh it all starts with the end of Gagik. The first reign yeah. uh, around 1020, uh, or maybe even a few years earlier. In yeah, that's that's always something. been debated. Yeah, debated. Yeah. So yeah, he's um, you know, he's the eldest son of Sambat the yeah. Third, um, also known as Hovanes Sambat. We've mentioned plenty of times. Yeah. Um, he was, he is, or was. Let's 
assume we're in that time period, he is the legal heir to the throne. Yeah. But there, of course, as the title has kind of given away, yeah. uh, you know, brothers in conflict. Yeah. Gagik's younger son, Ashot, decided to challenge that, uh, the, the norm yeah. of the hierarchy for, for people, you know, who's next in line and whatnot. Um, and he wanted to stake his claim to the throne. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And this is where it begins. Yeah. Quite the family drama. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, the infighting between these two brothers had some serious consequences. Uh, it really weakened the Bagratuni dynasty, and eventually, the dynasty um, kind of fell in 1045. Yeah, it kind of started to weaken a yeah. little bit. Um, yeah. It's it's kind of interesting how uh, a lot of historians try to make sense of Oshot's actions. Um, some you know, some argue that Sambat the Third wasn't the best leader, um, even though he did some wonderful things, as we've talked about in the yeah. past. Uh, while Ashot was known as, you know, his nickname was Ashot the Brave, yeah. um, and he had a he had strong military and organizational skills. Yeah. So that kind of when you hear that about somebody, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Guys, it's interesting. This guy's how- got his, this guy's got his beep together. Yeah. You know what it, I mean? It, when you talk about some people believed in this, some people, so oh, yeah. that right there already shows that they had their own kind of cliques, their own propaganda, trying to uh, almost like, you know, uh, collect votes. Well, that's going to be the best. Yeah. Game. I mean, some people yeah. are really, really hardcore strategists. Like, by, let's just say, let's just call it what it is by the book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there's some people who are just raw emotion. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you can't make you can make arguments for both sides. Yeah, but. yeah, very true, very true. Well, according to contemporary historian Matthew of Odessa, Ashot might have uh, seen it as saving the crown of from the impending collapse. But regardless of the justification, other uh, one thing is clear: the clash between Sambat and Ashot seriously weakened the kingdom of Armenia. Oh yeah, I mean it's a it's story of the typical thing that we've talked about all the time power yeah. struggles of mm-hmm. uh, you know and amb- story of ambition mm-hmm. i mean yeah you know and it obviously lead or can lead to the ultimate downfall of a great kingdom a great yeah. uh whatever society or whatever the case is because it's not just one person who has this ambition yeah right you have yeah. multiple people who have this power there's a power vacuum yeah. always created when one leader leaves and another steps in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it and it gets even more intriguing. Uh, mm. Ashut wasn't alone in his quest for power. Uh, his sought assist. Uh, he sought assistance from the Byzantine uh, Emperor Basil II, and even got support from King Senekerim of Vospurakan, uh, who was married to their sister Hushhush, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which made him. The brother-in-law of both Ashot, Ashot and Sambat, <laughs> Sambat yeah. right? Yeah, so. I mean all the all the intermarrying and whatnot. Like yeah. we, you know, we we always touch on it. It's not, it's not, and it's not limited to just Armenian. This is yeah. all sorts of kingdoms and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, Senekedim actually agreed uh, to back Ashot and send auxiliary troops during this time to uh, around what ten twenty one. Um, Ashot IV gathered a substantial army and marched towards Ani, yeah. uh, the capital. 
There were some clashes under the city walls, but then something unexpected happened. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, the newly elected Catholicos, Peter Getadart, I don't know if Get, I'm, Geta, Get, Geta Geta Arts, yeah, yeah, stepped in to mediate between the two warring brothers. Um, he served as the Catholicos of the Armenian mm-hmm. Church from uh, 1019 to 1058, That's which a is long yeah, time, pretty four, long time, right? Uh, what, what, four, yeah, four, four, 40 years almost? Um, yeah, yeah, my math yes, is correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, almost forty years. Anyway, the the result of this uh, mediation, yeah, yeah. and usually was the case. We've yeah. we've always mentioned that that the Catholicoi always end up becoming, you know, or the clergymen some way somehow step in to kind of mediate things and whatnot, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it was a it was a yet another blow to the kingdom of Armenia. It further fragmented uh, the once united kingdom which has always been fragmented and united and yeah, it's the same yeah. recurring cycle. According to the agreement reached in Ani, Sambat III would keep control of Ani and its surrounding areas, while Ashot would be crowned as Ashot IV and effectively rule the rest of the Bakraduni domain, including the territories in the province of Ayrarat. Yeah, well, a, a split like that seriously undermined the very foundation of the kingdom of Armenia which had been restored by Ashot I Bagratuni back in 885, their great-great-great-grandfather, I guess you can call, right? Yeah. 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 Um, it's really amazing how internal strife and uh, division can weaken such a once-mighty kingdom, I mean, right? I mean, whether it's from an existential force or internal force, you're weak inside. We've we've mentioned this too many times. You're weak inside. It's not going to work out too well for you. Well, I mean, you, you leave yourself about, vulner- vulnerable on so many levels. Yeah, I mean, you know, Ashot the first in eight eighty five. You know, reestablishing the kingdom of Armenia and everything that happened before that. Yeah. Everything that Armenian kingdom went through, all the attacks, the the mm-hmm. conquering of it, and so forth. And then all of a sudden, you get to this point and. Gagik the first. I mean, he he was he was at the with his reign. It was Armenia was at the yeah. zenith. We yeah. mentioned that, yeah. right? And then now you get to this point, and his two sons pretty much are ruining uh, a, a legacy, an entire dynasty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now uh, it's becoming quite complex uh, well, web of yeah, events. Of course, I is. guess you yeah. can call it. I mean. Um, in uh, 1021, there were several significant developments happening al- alongside the power struggle yeah. between these two brothers. Yeah, there there certainly was uh, a sequence of sequences of complex events that you know one of these developments was, for instance, the Byzantine Empire annexation of the territory of Vospurakan, yeah. uh, which we touched on last episode. Yeah. This uh, move gave the last king of Vospurakan, uh, Senekeri Martsruni, possessions in Lesser Armenia, specifically in the Armenian Byzantine the- uh, area of Sepastia. Yeah, yeah. Did I say that correctly, or did he, I put too much of an Seba- accent? Sebastia. Well, I mean, it's spelled Sebastia, but Sebastia. Sebastia. Okay. Oh, do we sure. said it? Whatever. What anyway. do you guys think? Is it Sebastia, uh, Sebastia? Uh, anyway. What is it? Yeah. Anyways, now after Senekerim's death, uh, his son David continued to rule Sebastia or Sebastia, however you want to say it, <laughs> yeah. as king name uh, only until 1036, followed by his brother Atom and other Arturuni successors. They held power in Lesser Armenia until around 
1080. Uh, yeah, until around 1080. And, and during this time period, okay, there was a very uh, important, let's call it evil or adversary or whatever yeah. you want to consider yeah. them, protagonist, if you will. Oh, no, antagonist. Antagonist. Antagonist, yeah. yes. Sorry about that. Um, the Turkic mercenaries. Uh, they were causing they were causing quite a stir in the region. Um, Turkic mercenaries had been deployed in various Muslim within various Muslim rulerships yeah. um, since the ninth century, pretty much. Um, by the eleventh century, their numbers had grown and migrations had grown from Central Asia through Iran to Armenia had significantly increased as they more or less were kind of moving west. And north. Yeah, you're quite right. You know? um, now, these Turkic raiders were a persistent threat constantly. And in 1016, they had already raided Vospurakan. In 1021, they invaded Armenia again. Yeah. Uh, Matthew of Odessa gives us an interesting account of how Lord Vasak uh, Palavuni learned about the raiders while he was feasting in the fortress of Bajni. Yeah, so... Um Definitely was a tense situation, tense yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, Vasak uh, had around what, like five thousand or so uh, cavaliers at his disposal, yeah. and um, but they were scattered. They were yeah. scattered throughout yeah. the region, right? Yeah. They weren't concentrated in one place. When he heard about the Turkic raiders, uh, he had quickly he had to quickly gather his forces. Yeah, yeah. Alert, alert, alert. Yep. Right yep. now, so, yeah, you're right. And according to uh, Matthew. Vasak didn't have time to gather all his troops. So yeah. around 500 cavaliers from uh, Bajni quickly put on their armor and rode out to confront the raiders. Yeah, so the the showdown took place... Uh, wait, let me see how uh, to pronounce this. The Monastery of Sagmo Savang. Yeah, you said there that you right, Sagmo Savang. Um, it, which is basically along the, uh, the banks of the Kasag River. Um, Vasak and his men uh, charged the Turkic raiders... And after a fierce battle, they managed to slay about 300 of them, uh, forcing the rest to flee. Um, there is no information or there wasn't any information on how large the forces were of the, the Turkic yeah. raiders. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, but I mean, it's it, five, 5,000 men. I'm sure they had their spies and they had their spies and whatnot yeah. and, uh, kind of mono y mono. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's a testament to the courage and the determination oh, yeah. of Vasak. Balavuni and his cavaliers um, to basically face this tragic yeah. uh, threat. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. The, the, some of these historical accounts, um, you know, the individual yeah. uh, goes and sits way up on the hill and <laughs> watches people die. Wait, which one was the one who said I forgot, that? man. There were so many of them. We've talked about Wasn't so also many. Rick? I don't know, but there was a bunch of historians. No, he wasn't. No, this one. I'm, was the one we, when, we, and... when we made fun of it, this was sometime in like the 4th or 5th century. We were still talking about that. And I kind of turned into a clown about it. Yeah. yeah. It's, hey, we got to have fun. I know. But like, yeah. you know, it's interesting. It's like, hey, we're going to battle. It's like, yeah. who do we call? Like, which yeah. historian do we want to write this down? <laughs> well, we're bringing our historian. Yeah. We're bringing our historian. And Let's see if they match. Imagine the other historian shoots the other historian. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's possible, man. Yeah, you yep, know? yep. It's very possible. Um, but yeah, some of these, like, it's it's interesting how they documented quite a bit of these conflicts and and internal strifes or whatever the case is, you know, that especially that Armenia faced during some of these tumultuous times. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, the political landscape 
in this region was quite complex during this time, obviously. Uh, in 1015 with or 1016, within a year period, King George I Bagratuni of Georgia launched a campaign to reclaim Tyke, which had been annexed by the Byzantine mm-hmm. Empire in the year 1001 after the death of David Bagratuni. Yeah, that's right. So, um, George of Georgia. <laughs> George of Georgia. <laughs> Georgi. <laughs> Georgi. <laughs> formed uh, an alliance with the Fatimid Caliph of Egypt, uh, Al-Hakim was his name, Mm -hmm. to support his campaign. Odd, right? It's pretty far south. Uh, Interestingly, during his standoff uh, against Basil II, which was a big no-no, Georgi I sought help from none other than Sambat III Bakraduni of Armenia. That's right. That's right. Now, Skyletes... I don't know if I said that right. I, yeah, I, I, when I saw the notes on this, I'm like, how do you say that? I looked it up. It's Skyletes. Skyletes, I guess. Yeah, there we That's go. how you say it. Yeah. Could be wrong. Skyletes. You guys yeah. can look it up. Uh, tells us that Sambat III agreed to assist George I and provided auxiliary troops. But Basil II, who considered Dyke to be a legitimate Byzantine territory, uh, basically, you know, waited yeah. until the death of al-hakim in 1021 yeah um he was ba- like you know what i'll wait <laughs> yeah well well i mean basil basil the second yeah. um he was at the time he was currently uh dealing with other matters with some peoples or groups yeah. from like the bulgaria region um so there was like some sort of resistance or whatever the case is after that was resolved in uh 1021 he led a military campaign against George the first of Georgia. Yeah, yeah, and the Byzantine emperor swiftly took control of Dyke and then retreated to uh, the mild port city of Terbizond. If I said that right, Trabzond. Well, I've been there. I've actually been there. Trabzond. Yeah, English said Terbizond. Oh yeah, it's spelled differently. Yeah, no, or Trabizond. I remember. I remember when I. I remember when I was in Armenia. Listen, by now we're known that we butcher names. Okay, so Trabizond. Let's go with that. Trabizond. I don't know. Yeah, city of Trabizond on the Black Sea, which which should have been ours. (laughs) Coast as winter approached by autumn of 1022, George the First Bagratuni had to acknowledge his defeat and uh, basically sue for peace. Yeah. So according to the peace treaty. Um, at least from our understanding of it, uh, George I had to relinquish his claims to Dyke, mm-hmm. um, surrender several of his southwestern positions to Basel II, putting a smackdown. Yeah. Additionally, he had to provide his three-year-old son, Bakrad, as a hostage. Here we go again with the hostage back and forth. Well, I mean, this, was, this wasn't a uh, student exchange program. Yeah, this is oh this man, is a little you, bit man. more serious. I know, but, I think. Well, it, listen. Every time we've talked about the situation with with yeah. the kingdom that had to um, give lands or you know acknowledge that they were defeated for some reason, they had to give their son yeah. as hostage. I mean, the same situation with Tigran. Tigran was a hostage. Yeah, was, I mean, it again, wasn't an exchange program. He was in hostage, right? It was an agreement. But these, these came, are the only details we have. So it almost sounds like a really lopsided trade. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I can't imagine like a three-year-old son being taken away from their family, their mother, and all of a sudden, who's raising this child? I mean, I'd be curious. I'd be curious to see what. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what what trans what trans like 
came out of yeah. that exchange yeah. with the kid. Yeah. More well, so than the lands and whatnot. You here's know? the thing. It doesn't end there. Uh, Bazid II had earlier accused Stambat III of supporting rebel forces mm -hmm. against him, using it as an excuse to continue his policy of annexing Armenian territories, which already included Tarun, yeah. Taik, and Vasburakan. Yeah, it's quite Does this a bit. remind you of something? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, again, complex web of alliances, um, conflicts, power struggles, same thing over and over again. Yeah. But um, Basel's ambitions uh, played a significant role in um, shaping some of the course of events that are to follow. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, it seems that Sambat III was facing intense pressure, and on January 6th, the year 1022, he sent Catholicos Peter Geradarts on a diplomatic mission to Herbizond, or mm -hmm. Trebizond, to negotiate with Emperor Basil II. That's right. Um, so, under the threat of possible invasion, and possibly due to the fact that Sambat III's authority had been greatly undermined by his brother's uh, actions, yeah. the King Gavani, um, who was already without an heir since the loss of his son, Ashota Iron, decided to bequeath, or kind of just leave it to the next of kin, if you will, mm -hmm. his kingdom to the Byzantine Empire upon his passing. Yeah. Um, so it was... I think it's pretty apparent that Basil II, yeah, you know what I mean. You know, he doesn't have a son. He doesn't have an heir. Let's maneuver this properly, because yeah. I mean, listen, if you're the emperor of the Byzantine Empire, you're thinking way ahead of things. Of course, of you're course. thinking at way least ahead five of things. steps ahead, oh, yeah. right? But right. more than that. Now, it, it's actually worth noting that there there is some debate uh, among scholars about the terms of this agreement. Uh, some, like the renowned Armenian historian Leo, argue that Sambat III didn't fully agree to the terms and that the Catholicos Peter I played a significant role mm. in putting the deal together. Yeah. So here comes the clergy that is yeah. getting involved. <laughs> and it gets, and, it gets more and, interesting and, about and, him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, Catholicus Peter I uh, was seen as a part of the pro-Byzantine faction. We talked about that last time, how there was some pro-Byzantine factions, yeah. some not-so-Byzantine factions that were yeah. kind of feuding as they typically do, yeah. do or did. Um, so which was uh so uh, some of the armenian elites this like they were opposed by a faction led by spot up at varam palavuni who we talked about their yeah. emergence in the last episode as well yeah um there was also a lot of harsh criticism directed to catholicos peter the first as well mm -hmm. uh the contemporary historian aristakis lastiverzi criticized him of his greed a materialism calling him a lover of gold and silver who was keen on receiving precious gifts. That doesn't sound too far off. Does <sighs> this remind today? you of something? Yeah. I mean, history repeating well, itself. It well, you know, <sighs> I'm, I'm, oh, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Uh, Peter I's reign was certainly controversial from the start, from start to finish. His predecessor, Catholicus Sarkis I, mm -hmm. um, broke tradition by renouncing his seat during his lifetime in 1019, paving the way for Peter I's election. Which is very, very interesting. Very interesting. How uh, dynastic, 
dynastic, I should say, uh, consideration seemed to play a role mm. in Peter the first election. His brother, Catholicos Khachik the first Arsharuni, had reigned before before Sarkis the yeah. first, uh, and their uncle An uh, Anania of Mok, which we've yes, we've mentioned many about times, had also times. been a Catholicos. So yeah. keep the wealth in the family. Yeah, mm. yeah. Right? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's just the way some clergy works. Yeah. Not clergymen, but the, 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 whatever you want to consider it, whatever word you want to coin. Yeah. Um, yes, it's very true. Uh, the reasons for Sarkis first's unprecedented abdication remain somewhat of a mystery. Um, some scholars, I'm sure they left that out of the history books. Yeah. Um, some scholars have suggested age as a factor, but most Armenian Catholicus were elected at mature and old ages and served until their death. Very true. Which is true, yes. Yeah, yeah. we've seen that many times. Um, other theories include Peter I's initial support for Sambat III during his standoff with Ashot IV, his uh, Byzantophile orientation, I guess you can call yeah. it, or the desire of bishop and archbishop to see the brother uh, or former Catholicos Khachik I once again assumed the patriarchal seat. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's clear. I mean, okay. you see what he's doing, right? Well, like, I mean, look, you have to take into consideration that this is at the time, not that it's not now, but I would say it's not now compared to back then, a very powerful position. Of course. We talked about how the military and the spiritual side of things, the spiritual establishment had to be almost one in the same. Of course. At that yeah. time, right? Yeah. Nowadays, you can make an argument yeah. why it may or may not be. It's a different podcast. Um, or a different episode. Different episode. <laughs> but um, you, you have to understand. Which podcast, Mike? I, I don't have another podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying. I just usually have really freakishly long conversations with other friends of mine about right. these types of things. Um, it's true that, you know, so, so his, um, like this spiritual role was and is a powerful position. And you want to kind of keep it in the family for yeah. a plethora yeah. of reasons, not just the wealth. There's other reasons with politics and whatnot that you need to keep grips on. Yeah. Right, because if yeah. you bring somebody from the outside, they're going to bring different ideologies, different not the beliefs, but you get what I mean. Yeah, and it might kind of train wreck certain sensitive situations. Yes, this is just the way it is. Yeah. Um, with ba basically, um, the significant influence and control over vast lands being one yeah. example. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Settlements, monasteries, churches, by uh, certain bishop seats yeah of their yeah. I, I don't know what the hierarchy or the names are yeah. you know their assistants or whatever <laughs> you want to call it you know um within the church like during that Bagratuni period yeah. again you it's kind of like a president or whatnot or a leader kind of elects his cabinet members yeah. and whatnot and kind of needs to keep things tidy yeah um now What's interesting is that it appears that the agreement between Sambat III and uh, Peter Catholicos Peter the First, uh, this this agreement of the handover of yeah. basically Armenia, the yeah. kingdom to the Byzantine Empire, did not sit well with no. with uh, a lot of people. Of course, I wouldn't. Are you kidding me? Um, yeah. So, 
when when the news of the agreement reached Donnie, there was obviously significant unrest um, and opposition, as yeah. there should have been. Uh, Patriot faction led by Sparapet Varam Palavuni vehemently rejected the agreement and vowed to resist uh, its implementation, so yeah. to speak. Again, um, this reminds me of the current state of what's happening, this back and forth, the the division, the the opposition, the current government, um, the, the deal-making behind giving away lands yeah for peace yeah, and you're brokering wealth, deals um for your own greed and um oh it's 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 very very um i mean frustrating look, you can you can make arguments on both sides there's certain individuals that might you know maybe be more empathetic towards the situation say well you know he's trying to do the best he can or she can for the you know the the livelihood of every single individual in the region yeah right maybe there's a you know devastating charge by somebody from the outside and might savage yeah. and kill people yeah yeah we get it but i mean how many times has this happened over times. and over and over, over and it's over. still it's like and gra- it's still gra- groundhog's day oh, yeah, i mean it's it the same thing yeah but the situation escalated to the point where Catholicos Peter I was threatened, and in 1023, he was forced to flee Ani. <laughs> Got on his horse and left. Mm. He takes his gold yeah. and silver with him? <laughs> he, I'm sure he did. <laughs> uh, he sought refuge in Senekirim Art, uh, with Senekirim Artsuni in the last, uh, who was the last king of Vaspurakan, I should say. Yeah who had given him his kingdom for lands in uh, Sebastia under Byzantine um, rule, basically. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, um, he's like, hey, I'm part of them. I gave my lands, yeah. you know, come come here. It's, you'll be it's, safe. It's yeah. curious, though, how he just bounced. He just took off with whatever he could. It's weak, very interesting. Weak man. Yeah, of course. Well, they typically are. Yeah. Um, Peter I, uh, during this time, uh, remained in Lesser Armenia until about 1026 likely due to the passing of Emperor Basil II, good chess player apparently, um, and King Senekerim Artsuni in 1025. So it was like a yeah. really quick succession of pretty powerful individuals yeah. losing to this, you know, yeah. the time. It was re-election after yeah. re-election after re-election. <laughs> <laughs> re-election for you, re-election for you, re-election for you. Yeah. Re-election for now, you. Upon his return to Ani, uh, resentment against Peter I uh, persisted. In 1033, he was once again uh, compelled to flee. Mm. Uh, maybe on a donkey this time. Uh, this time, the monastery of uh, Zoravank uh, uh, mm-hmm. in uh, Byzantine-held Vospurakan, where he remained until 1037. Yeah, I mean, some of these like frequent withdrawals suggest that Peter I had pretty powerful support from like the local Armenians and the Byzantine Empire, right? Yeah. Like, Well, local yeah, Armenians who were well, for the Byzantine. Yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah that yeah. faction. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, good well, addition. I mean, it, it's it's really clear that ally, uh, you know, Peter the First had allies not only within the clergy but some high-ranking, high-ranking Armenian uh, aristocrats like uh, Ves Sarkis, who was known as Ves Sarkis, the Lord, the Lord of Dekor. Dekor, yeah. Where is Dekor? I don't know. Did we look that up on the map? Maybe we did. I don't know. I don't. 
I, I don't think we've ever mentioned it, so I was just curious. I, I didn't, well, my bad, I didn't bother looking it up. I should have. Well. Um, anyway, so Vest Sargis, new character inserted into the conversation, yeah. <laughs> um, was quite a prominent figure. He held Byzantine court title as Vestes, or Vestes, or Vestes? Uh, I think Vestes, Vestes, whatever. Which was besties, besties, besties. <laughs> yeah, God, we're such knuckleheads. Which was awarded by Byzantine emperors to high-ranking officials serving the empire. <laughs> you gotta have fun, Mike. You gotta uh, have I, fun. We are. Yeah, um, fun. <laughs> now, this title had been in use since the time of Emperor John the First. Uh, Zimiskis <laughs> in the late 10th century and was often co uh, combined with other titles like Magistros Ton Officion, yeah. which is Byzantine variant of Master of Offices. Yes, yes. Manager at the office. Yeah, you, ma you yeah. managed all the offices. Yeah. Uh, so Vest Sarkis was a proud was proud of his byzantine titles and in one of the inscriptions from 1033 he referred to himself as the quote-unquote beloved servant of three roman kings um highlighting the honorific titles he received from emperors basil ii constantine the eighth and romanos the third it's funny how he referred to himself like man was proud yeah he was a proud dude it was proud man dude. was proud yeah um yeah. Now, it's fascinating how these titles and alliances played a role in the intricate policies of the time. The Armenian aristocracy certainly had strong connections mm -hmm. with the Byzantine Empire. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, before that, the, the, the nobility of Armenians always... Um, they were, but they were, they were always at each other's throats. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. it, it really, really. I mean, I don't think this has gone away because if no. you look at the power struggle right now, it's always been between the noble families, right? Okay. So, what does the nobility remind everyone of? Like some of these powerful families, let's say in the United States, mm -hmm. that aren't voted in by any of us, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I'm not going to name names. Well, yeah. let's leave that yeah. out. But some of these powerful families that aren't holding office positions yeah. by our votes, they have incredible amounts of pull, right? And even throughout, let's say, American history, for some of our more American history knowledgeable audience, you know that there has been powerful influences from powerful individuals, powerful families, powerful lineages that have influenced things and have had problems of with course. one another, right? So... It's the same thing. Yeah. It's not limited to just our Nahararz. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. So As you mentioning that, it's, it's very fascinating how the Armenian elites during this time were deeply divided yeah. into opposing camps. Of course. Each with its own vision of the future of Armenia, which is what's exactly well, happening today. Well, doesn't it look, it, it, listen. I mean, Let's, come on, think well, about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, and I'm refuting, I'm just adding to what you're saying is if you really think about it, right? Like, it doesn't mean just because we have fancy office buildings and we live in like modern technology world and whatever the yeah. case is that these people a thousand years ago weren't savvy businessmen. No, of course. No, they, they knew yeah. what could benefit them mm -hmm. first and maybe the people around them yeah. from which side they will strike deals with. Yes. If they yes. have enough money, if they have enough clout and power, they're already having conversations. They're thinking 
steps ahead. Yeah. They have to, yeah. right? If they have that kind of money, they're not just out, you know, being a farmer or whatnot, you know, not that there's anything wrong with it, but these people have money, power, influence, whatever the case is, they're making deals, man. Yeah. So who's giving them the better piece of the pie? Yeah. Right. This is what's going on. This, you have to understand it. This is what was going on. They're, they're willing and dealing. They were not any less businessmen than our businessmen no, no, today. I know, I know. But, but, but my point to this is that everything you guys are listening to, I mean, you can agree with me or disagree, but at least for me, when I am, I'm, I'm hearing this, it is exactly what is happening today as of the year 2023. Money over identity. Uh, these noble families... Money is you don't have to identity. name names, but you all know who we are talking about and the opposition and the back and forth. And it is all for their own yeah. greed and gain and not for the well-being of Armenia. Of course. This is our biggest no, problem. I mean, look, and again, this is not trying to get into like modern day politics, but let's say family A, mm-hmm. wealthy family A, we mm-hmm. can coin replace them as the wealthy family's a son just walked into the parliament today whatever i don't i look i don't know who you're talking about i really don't but they know who i'm talking yeah i don't know who you're talking about but let's say they align with russian businesses right yes they're going (laughs) oh wow i'm on point today (laughs) family a okay so yeah Let's say family B aligns with, let's say, I don't know, uh, uh, American businesses or, or Persian businesses or yeah. Iranian businesses, yeah. right? There, this is now you're going to have issues. Well, I've got this much money and this is, this is the situation. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. basically. Anyway, carrying Moving on. Moving on, yes. Yeah. So on one side, you had commander of the Armenian army, Varam Palavuni, yeah. um, and his supporters, who were staunch advocates for the maintenance of Armenian national sovereignty and independence. I guess you can call them your conservatives. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, on the other side, uh-huh. um, uh, figures like uh, Vest Sarkis and Catholicos Peter I believed that Armenians' merger with the Byzantine Empire would be in the nation's best interest. The liberals. Yeah, yeah. Let's come together. <laughs> there with, you go. Uh, be o- always be yes. under somebody else's rule. There you go. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so it's important to note that both sides didn't view themselves as traitors. Of course they didn't. Oh. Um, they genuinely believed that it benefits the betterment of Armenia, or greater Armenia, or whatever the yeah. case is, but um, in their respective approaches. But this stark division within Armenian society created, obviously, significant tension. Kind of reminds you of what we're living in today. Yeah. What do you guys think? Uh, comment. Uh, let us know. Like, does this remind you of what Everything. is happening today in Armenia? Well, not uh, just Armenia, here too. I mean, anybody... No, or, but or we're talking it, about Armenian history, well, so forget about here. I'm talking about, this is, a, if you follow Armenian politics, what we are talking about, it is almost like repeating itself with different characters mm-hmm. and different families, right? But again, it's like a, nobility, it's... Like, it's like a video game simulation. Yeah, what do you think? Let us know. Um, you know, put a comment, bef- uh, you know, in the video or in the chat. And then uh, those of you listening to us, I don't know, send us a message, email us, something like that. We, we really want to know your opinion. What yeah. do you guys think about? Because we're at that point where the Bagratuni kingdom is collapsing because of these two brothers. Yeah. 
and their strife, and then and then, and, and then the certain Nakharar families yeah. that and again outside with sources, them and outside yeah. sources and so yeah. on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So now on June 29th, ten thirty three, a solar eclipse occurred, and the renowned Armenian astrologer John uh, Kozen Kozen interpreted it as a bad omen. Ooh. Mm. He saw it as a reflection of the deteriorating moral values in Armenia and predicted that the nation would soon face great tragedies. Yeah, uh, Omen is correct. Um, this interpretation kind of sheds light on um, deep upheaval uh, on and dissatisfaction among the Armenian uh, population. Yeah, uh, Their leaders were engaged in internal conflicts, weakening the kingdom. And their spiritual leaders were often driven by greed, uh, of course, or willing to cede Armenian land to Byzantine to the Byzantine Empire, which uh, many Armenians probably saw as betrayal. Well, of course, of course. I mean, you know, take your gold and your silver and just hand over lands. Yeah. Now, even though the Byzantine Empire was ruled by Armenian emperors and empresses, their policies were naturally in line with the. Um, imperialist interests um uh, often odds with preserving armenian uh national uh, armenian national yeah. sovereignty so yeah but i mean at a cost yeah it always was at a cost uh basically after emperor basil's second uh passing in 1025 there were changes in the byzantine leadership obviously uh with uh constantine the yeah. and later romanus the third uh argyros uh taking the throne Romanus III married his niece to King Sambat III around 1032, strengthening ties between Armenia and the Byzantine Empire. There you go. So, you know, another yeah. uh, merger through marriage. Now Sambat is obligated to of course. serve the interests of, of, of Romanus III. So. But again, you know, the large empire always gets the bigger piece of the pie. They always yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, so in uh, 1038, King Sambat III renovated the uh, Horomos Monastery and erected the Church of St. John, underscoring the complex dynamics of this historical period. Yeah, the, the political and cultural landscape of Armenia uh, during that time had was marked by a lot of like internal divisions, as we've, we've been yeah. mentioning. Also external pressures, um, shifting alliances, as we've mentioned, um, that had uh, more or less like really, really significant consequences um, in the way things play out or were playing out and will eventually play out. You are correct, my friend. Yeah. You are correct. The passing of Ashot the fourth yeah. in 1040 and Sambat the third in 1041, literally a year away from one another, marked a significant turning point in the history of the Armenian kingdom. Basically. Yeah. Um, you know, according to uh, our, our historian friend, Aristakis Lastiversi, mm-hmm. um, after Sambat III's death in 1041, Vestsarkis declared himself the new king of Armenia. Uh, he even proclaimed himself as a potential founder of a new dynasty and moved that a move that didn't sit well with many nobles because Sarkis wasn't from the Bakradunin lineage. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't he, right? Sounds Everybody like a, took opportunity a to... usurpation almost. Yeah, 
Now, our friend uh, Aristakis Lastiverzi mentions that Vest Sarkis seized the royal treasury and <laughs> entrenched himself in the inner fortress located south of the capital of Ani. Some historians argue that Vesarkis may not have been interested in founding a new dynasty, especially since he was childless. Interesting. So I he, mean, he... So he just he, took over the treasury, treasury and he just like locked himself in there? Yeah. Or whatever? What is he? Like those... Scrooge McDuck? Like, like, those, like those crazy climate change activists. <laughs> like Chained cl- himself to Clued the, himself yeah. to the treasury or something. Say, I will not go. It's mine. This is all mine. I mean, it worked. Apparently it worked. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so there's a debate among historians about Vest Sarkis' true intentions. Uh, while some suggest that he may have aimed to rule under Byzantine suzerainty as a governor, others question that notion. Yeah, yeah. Regra- regardless of uh, Vesarkis' intentions, yeah. the situation in Armenia was marked by uh, anarchy and chaos during the uh, during this period. Now, in 1042, Armenian lords led by Gregory Palavuni, again, Gregory Palavuni, yeah. Yeah. rejected Vesarkis uh, as a king and instead proclaimed Ashot the fourth, the 18-year-old son of Gagik II as the new king of yes. Armenia. However, Peter I, the Catholicus, uh, had little choice but to support this decision. So this is already causing more issues, right? Yeah. yeah. They conducted a traditional, uh, I guess, what, what is it called? An investiture yeah. rite for Gagik II in the Mother Cathedral of Ani. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's also worth noting yeah. that prior to Gagik's coronation from 1041 to 1042, when Vesarkis declared himself the ruler of Ani and even the new king of Armenia, the Bagratuni kingdom experienced a period of anarchy and yeah. chaos. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, I could go into more Game of Thrones references, but I'm not. I'll yeah. save you guys the trouble. Hey, look. Um, you know, David. <laughs> Well, hey, look what <laughs> David the Landless. Yes, David there the Landless. Again. I mean, yeah. you know, then it get, we get into David the Landless. You know, the kingdom of Tashish uh, oh. also made claims to the crown. Um, so now we've got what? Like, a, is that three? That's three ways. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we've got a three-way thing going right now. Yeah. Uh, it's like a royal rumble. Yeah. Or is getting there. It's getting there. <laughs> it's getting there. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. The fourth one's going to run in about two so, minutes. <laughs> but, but, that was, but that was rejected by the establishment of, of Ani. Of um, course. But still. You're landless. What are you doing, bro? Yeah, you're the landless, like, man. Come on. Well, I'm trying to change my nickname. That, that reminds me of like, like you know, when during the, uh, the you have the candidacy of people claiming they're going to run for president. And it's like somebody who you're like, shows up where you're like, what? Yeah. Really? Yeah, you, you're running? Yeah. Really? Like, yeah. Come on, man. Go back to. There's a few people that. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, during this tur- uh, turbulent time, the Byzantine Empire, prompted by Vesarkis again, made several attempts to annex the Bagratuni kingdom. These efforts uh, efforts were met with resistance, particularly by Sparapet, Bottom Palavoni. Yeah. Um, Matthew of Edessa lamented the decline in the martial spirit and discipline of the Armenian army. After the death of Ashot IV, uh, many warriors began neglecting their mandatory daily duties and training and whatnot. God, it's just like, talk about falling apart. Um, and 
probably did a lot of debaucherous things once you kind of get out of your uh, yeah. routine or regime or whatever you want to call it. Um, so, you know, local bards who sang songs recounting ancient Armenian history turned into epics uh, while they were drinking and dancing and things like yeah. this. This is what like some of the historical doctrine tells us. Yeah. Um, so Gusans were... Yeah. Creative and performing artists in ancient and medieval Armenia. They were traveling bards who performed improvisational music for audiences. They were also singers, instrumentalists, dancers, storytellers, and professional folk actors. Yeah. So they were kind of like, I wonder if these people were just either easing their pain or yeah. if it was, I, 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 I don't know how bad things got with the military i mean I, I and i apologize i keep bringing this to comparing it to day, today's time for them to kind of preoccupy themselves with yeah distraction right this, distraction i'm, yeah. I'm going to tie it into that so today a report came out as of today uh thursday mm -hmm. right the, uh, well actually this report came out not today it came out a couple of days ago the um which is it's just unbelievable the recruitment or the desire for military oh, service in Armenia down almost by 50%. Oh, yeah. Why would they? And why? Because they are distracted by the partying young men wanting to go travel at the clubs. I mean, like I said, when I was in Armenia, I mean, it was exploding the nightlife till four in the morning, five in the morning. Crazy. And these kids who are supposed to be in army serving at that age, they don't want to so, go. So here's, so here's the thing. I mean, again, I'm not trying to talk about American politics or comparisons or whatever, but it's, it's a good conversation point about what you just said. Not that it's wonderful today. And again, another story for another type of podcast. Yeah. Um, there are benefits here that, let's say, that are provided that give incentives for individuals to sign up. I don't know about what the incentives over there are, but I can imagine it's not very much. No. So they, for, to serve for two years, right? Yeah. It. I can imagine it's not very much and not even close to being comparable to, let's say, the benefits of what would it be like to serve here yeah. or maybe a country like Russia. I don't know. I'm just assuming because if you're bigger nation you probably have some pretty awesome incentives so here's the thing um they i know when i was there they were talking about so there's the vazgen sarkisian uh military school yeah which you can go uh, i think once you graduate or, or I, I don't know if you can go from the age of 16 or you have to graduate high school and then go where uh you're contracted for five years i believe mm -hmm. and then depending on what you want to do yeah, if anyone knows the information please yeah, let us know uh, what the specialties i think the contract is five years or six years after you do that during that time first you're 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 becoming like a specialist let's yeah. say a tank specialist or air force or whatever it is engineer right? or whatever engineer. the case is yeah um you the incentives are first you're getting paid well yeah um after certain i guess you have levels of graduations sure. to go through um you get a a an apartment you know, so your life is set. It's just kind of like this. Yeah. But that is, you have to qualify to go to that school. But as the general uh, army or or the special forces, whatever it is, to recruit them, there's no incentive, of right? Of course there is. So, but here, you know, even if you go to the army at 18, 
There's incentives, right? Look, you and I went yeah. to the same high school, yeah. right? Do you remember how often the Navy oh, yeah. would set up tables? Oh, yeah. How often the Army would set up tables? Yeah. Marines, yeah. A funny, quick little story, since we're kind of getting a little lighter here about it. I, I don't know if you ever encountered this at Marshall. Um, there was a Navy table set up, and mm. I think it was like my first year there. And guy calls me over. I was a shy kid, so I walked up and whatever, and he's like, like, what do you like to do? And, da, 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 da. and I told him, I'm like, yeah, I play ice hockey. And da, da. he's like, you know, the Navy has an ice hockey team. And I laughed at him. I laughed at him. But anyway, he started telling me about the incentive programs. And I didn't understand any of that stuff back then. Right. Yeah. But what I mean, they're actively recruiting you because they know they have something to back up that recruitment with yes. in terms of incentivizing it. Yeah. Where you sign up, you go yes. through your whatever yeah. boot camps, whatever the case is you're guaranteed to have continuing education, money provided, discounts on cars, homes, whatever the case is. And that's a fact. It really is a fact. Yeah. Yeah. Now, again, this is not getting into the can of worms of veterans who are unfortunate these days, but again, some of these individuals have taken advantage of these things and at least that incentive program is there. Yeah. No, no, I completely agree. Yeah. But traveling back, back to the yes. 11th century, yes. um, according to Matthew, some of the best warriors abandoned the Bagratuni uh, domain and joined the ranks of the Byzantine uh, Empire yeah. uh, to basically serve there because they saw no uh, significance of being part of it anymore. Either that or maybe is, they got yeah. incentivized. I mean, you're dealing with the Roman Empire. Gold and silver. Yeah, gold and silver. Who knows? Or ranks, yeah. you know. I mean... Again, I mean, it, they got paid. Right? Of course, they back did. then I'm sure yeah, they did. They got paid, yeah, but so. again, uh, you know, we don't have details on that. But I'm sure the Roman Empire or the Byzantine Empire yeah. would have probably provided you a lot more than, at this point, a yeah. faltering, dwindling Armenia. Yes, sir. right. Yes, sir. Um, so Gogik the Second short reign as the last king of the Bagratuni Central Kingdom was marred by numerous trials and tribulations. Um, ultimately contributing to the downfall of um, once a powerful dynasty. Yeah, the Bagratuni dynasty. And we will cover Gagik II's short reign uh, on our next episode. Um, and uh, after that, we'll do kind of like a an episode covering the entire Bagratuni, call yeah, it a there's... renaissance, uh, and that will be the end of the Bagratunis. And then from there, we'll continue on until we get to the Cilician kingdom but that just uh you know it just shows how uh, how greed um and and that desire to be king to be almighty and powerful between two brothers yeah um it, you know can destroy an entire dynasty imagine if if they were let's say um you know, they had come to an agreement where, hey, let me lead. And if something happens to me, you can take over. Um, because at that time, none of them had sons. So, and then if one of them had a son, great. It's like, you know, come to the, this is, that's but the that thing. Never, it was never for the betterment of the, of the kingdom. It was about self. But even having a son didn't, doesn't, as history has shown us, doesn't really guarantee you yeah. anything. Yeah. It really doesn't. It's almost like a crapshoot. True. It is. Very true. You know, some, some sons and daughters have turned out to be fantastic, as we've talked about. Some of them have not. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, 
is a little bit of a short story. You yeah. Know? We, we, uh, we don't have much about this. There isn't that much content. But as so always we, a good conversation. Yeah, yeah. We try to present as much as possible. But this is what happened between these two brothers. Uh, bro- bro- brother, brothers, I should say. Uh, I think at about that hour mark, I started. Yeah. <laughs> my tongue starts twisting. But um, yeah, uh, it's unfortunate. But this is what happened. And uh, things could have been different if these two brothers had just, um, you know, agreed to either rule together or, or kind of, you know, respect one another and let one rule and yeah. be unified. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, Gagik the second. I mean, he was 18 years old when he took, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was crowned as king. Can you imagine at 18 ruling an entire kingdom? Yeah. And, so, and now he's got, and he has so many people <laughs> chirping in his ear, you know? And well, besides that you have, you know, Vasak and Landless. Avita Landless. <laughs> and Landless. Yeah. Making claims. Yeah. Trying so. to make claims. More of the same. Yeah. But um let us know what you think, guys. Did you uh did for me, like I said, I really want to know what do you guys think? How what are the similarities to what's happening today with everything that happened during this um situation with the two brothers, uh and even uh before with with uh you know Gogik the uh, the first reign the, their father yeah. you know but uh let's see so that's it for this and uh, as we mentioned uh go to our our um Instagram page and go ahead and uh let us know which yeah. sculpture you guys prefer or both uh we really want to know uh we have to make a decision to start opening the pre-orders we're excited and um you know like I said this is for a great cause and uh if if you don't if you want to support uh hike for our heroes on their own please do so like i said these people are doing phenomenal work um and i have to mention something i know a lot of people and and this is what really 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 kind of bothers me about our our culture and our unity is when when they took artsakh you know everybody again unity for 2 weeks helping you know fundraising and this and that uh and then again dead now i know right now it's not the best time everybody's being conservative with financially here in the states it's not the best time i understand but those little amounts that you might be spending on little things that don't matter that you can use to donate to these organizations they're they're really doing big work and um you know uh, this fatigue we're under we have to snap ourselves out of it and 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 start thinking about the future because i think if if, if we don't wake up um just like how the end of the bagrat yeah. is the beginning yeah. of the end we're i would say almost there where it'd be the beginning of the end of the armenian statehood yeah so um Snap yourselves out of it. Wake up. I know that it's far from us, especially when we're in the diaspora. We yeah. tend to get caught up with our daily lives and we have our own problems here. Uh, but we always have to f- remember that that is our motherland over there. And without Armenia, none of us have anything to identify with, which will psychologically ruin so many lives oh, yeah, our children um their grandchildren their identity 
Uh, it'll be lost. That's it. We'll be just like gypsies, just wandering in the in I mean, I'm the world. Born, you know, I know you're born in Yerevan. I'm born and raised here. And if I don't have something like that to identify with, if it vanishes, at least in my lifetime, I'm yeah. not gonna feel yeah any good about it, man. So uh, let's let's unite. Let's let's shake ourselves uh, and 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 start doing some work and helping one another help these great organizations who are actually doing something um and and watch out for the fake uh you know uh, uh <laughs> yeah there's a lot of that a lot around. of them that's the biggest not just, problem not there's, just with the army it's out there. just all over yeah there's a lot of that. these uh organizations claiming they're doing this they're doing that be careful with it uh, a lot of them are i don't want to say scams but a lot of them they do it for their own uh prosperity oh, you scam. know they're but whatever call it what it is spade yeah is spade. so um again i hope you guys enjoyed this episode uh support us on patreon by going to patreon.com slash uh donating five dollars a month uh to help us continue bringing uh exciting new content about our history uh follow us on instagram for all the updates and then uh we'll be back next week with a new episode covering gagik the second of Bagratuni Kingdom. Anything else you want to mention, Mr. No. Balian? No? Hope you guys enjoy the statue. Yeah, yeah. Hope you guys I had like fun it. working on it. Yes, yes. All right, everyone. As we always say at the end of every episode, respect one another. Love one another. Until the next episode, take care of yourselves. <laughs>